Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. So what you wouldn't know this morning was that at 7 a.m. we found out that our lead worshiper today, our creative arts director, Zach, was not feeling well. And so we pulled an audible with our worship team this morning, and you never would have known it. Did they not do a phenomenal job leading us? Yeah. So grateful, and you just saw really a handful of our band today, those that serve here at Grace Crossing Church. We're grateful for each and every one of them, our tech team. These are are our heroes in many ways who make everything we experience come together uh, seemingly flawlessly, but behind the scenes, it's certainly not flawless and not perfect, but uh, God is in it, and we're really thankful. So over the past couple of weeks, I have uh, watched a four-part PBS miniseries on legendary boxer Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali, as many of you know, was not the world heavyweight boxing champion one time, or even twice. Actually, he got the reign four different times in his career. Nobody has done it before, and nobody's done it since. Um, He was a legend uh, in his own right, and certainly in his world that he lived in. Uh, nearly, uh, actually, it was almost a, uh, 44 years ago to this day, on September the 25th, 1977, the New York Times actually released an article on Ali that they simply entitled Ali's X Factor. Now, a great definition for an X Factor is it's a circumstance or a quality or a person that has a powerful but unpredictable influence. A quality circumstance or person that has a powerful but unpredictable influence. Every time that Ali opened his mouth, every time that he put on the gloves, no doubt about it, he had a powerful but unpredictable influence. I was walking through the store this past week and happened to be journeying past the cereal aisle, and I, a box of cereal caught my attention. Um, it's a cereal I haven't eaten since I had been a kid, but it's a cereal called the Cereal of Champions. Many of you know it. And um, it's celebrating its 100-year anniversary as a cereal here this year. And so what they decided to do was they decided to release over the year four of the most remarkable athletes of the past century. And lo and behold, can you guess who was the very first athlete that showed up on the box of Wheaties? It was Muhammad Ali. This guy, no no doubt about it, he had an X factor that even to this day, people are still paying attention to his powerful, but perhaps very unpredictable influence. This morning, we launched a series called X Factor. And in this series, we're going to focus on the X factor that the scripture reveals for us. The X factor in the scripture is the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to talk about in this series is the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Now, for some of us here, when we hear about the Holy Spirit, we have a very visceral reaction to it because we had an experience at some point where something happened that was strange Something that was done was perhaps in the name of the Holy Spirit that was abusive. And it left just a really bad taste in your mouth that when you think of the Holy Spirit, there is this resistance to the Holy Spirit. Some of you here are ambivalent about the Holy Spirit. You don't really know what you think yet about the Holy Spirit. The judgment and jury is kind of still out. Others of you are scratching your head right now going, what's that? We get it. We're all over the map today. And those of you watching online, many of you are maybe in one of those camps today, a little unfamiliar. Well, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to talk about what the Bible teaches us about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Here is the theme verse that we're using for this entire series. It's out of John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse number 7. And I want to read it to you from the Amplified Version today. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, now notice this, comforter, 
advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you. That word helper that appears here in this text is actually a very rich but very complex word uh, in the Greek language. It actually is very hard to transliterate that word into the English language because it can mean all of these things. It can mean comforter, it can mean advocate, it can mean an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, a standby, and so much more. And throughout this series, we're going to be dropping into those different ideas of the Holy Spirit. But for this morning's sake, I want to double click on the actual Greek word that is used here in John chapter 16. It is the word, and I don't often use Greek words, but this morning, it's a powerful one I want to use because you will see a tremendous reason why Jesus said it is to our advantage. The word that is used helper here is the word in the Greek paraclete. And it actually comes from Roman military formation. Roman soldiers always went out into battle in pairs, two by two. So that whenever they were under attack, they could stand back to back with their shields out in front of them. And by doing so, they created almost an impenetrable defense system. It's no wonder that Jesus uses that imagery when he talks about the Holy Spirit. Because here's what Jesus is saying in John chapter 16. Jesus is literally saying, the Holy Spirit has your back. The Holy Spirit sees your blind side. He knows what's going on in your life and he is the one who can stand back to back with you and protect you and defend you. He's got he, your back. He is your rear guard. He is your defender. He's your advocate. He's your warrior. He's the one standing with you. And it's no wonder Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our advantage. The Holy Spirit is God's gift of advantage to us as believers. In fact, if I were to give a big idea to this morning's talk, it would simply be this. The Holy Spirit is your holy advantage. The Holy Spirit is your holy advantage. But to understand the, the power of the person and work of the Holy Spirit, we actually have to begin by getting an aerial view. We have to begin at 10,000 feet. We have to look over the landscape of Scripture and see what the Bible actually teaches us about the person of the Holy Spirit. Before we talk about the work of the Holy Spirit, we got to understand the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is mentioned some 90 times in the New Testament. But the very first reference to the Holy Spirit is not New Testament. It's not in the Gospels. It's not on the day of Pentecost. The first reference and mention of the Holy Spirit comes in the second verse of the Bible. Genesis chapter one, verse number two. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then notice this, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of of the waters. When I, when I hear that word hovering, I think hummingbird. We had one out on our deck yesterday, and they're just amazing to watch how they hover. But what is so profound in the very first, uh, second verse of, of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse number 2, is the word that's used here for God. It's the word Elohim. And if you study the Hebrew, Elohim is a plural form of God. There is a singular word for God, but that's not what's used here. What's used is the plural word, Elohim, which means the scripture actually begins with an acknowledgement. The acknowledgement is that though God is monotheistic, God is multifaceted, God is multifunctional. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the question is not, what is the Holy Spirit? The question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Because according to scripture, the Holy Spirit is not an it. 
The Holy Spirit is not the force that appears in Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is not simply an energy source that you plug into and unplug from. The Holy Spirit, though not human, the Holy Spirit is a person that has personality. The Holy Spirit has intellect, emotion, and will. Which simply means the Holy Spirit has a mind to reason. The Holy Spirit can feel deeply. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, can be offended, can be angered, can be jealous. And the Holy Spirit, according to scripture, has a determined will. Referred to throughout the scripture as the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all a reference to the same individual. We read in Acts chapter 16, a great illustration of the fact that the Holy Spirit has a determined will and purpose. Acts chapter 16, verses six and seven. Paul and his missionary journey, it says they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Notice this, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So the Holy Spirit has a very determined will and purpose for Paul's journey here. And Paul is finding these roadblocks that he's recognizing are of the Holy Spirit. And so he ends up taking a little detour. He goes to Troas, and that night he goes to sleep. And during the night in sleep, he has a Holy Spirit-inspired dream. Now listen, God does move by his Spirit in our dreams. They're not always God-inspired. Uh, Kelly tells me I talk in my sleep a lot. I don't know, but I believe her. And she said the one thing that I say more frequently than anything else is, oh boy. <laughs> now, I don't know what's going on in my subconscious. I don't know what's going on in my mind. I don't know why I say that maybe often in my life, but she, she said a lot of times I just wake her up with, that, with those two simple words, oh boy. She said a couple of weeks ago, I was, something was going on, and she said, I heard you uh, in your sleep say, mmm, chocolate, <laughs> peanut butter. She goes, I have no idea what was going on, but I wanted to enter your dream. I, I wanted to go where you were. Well, Paul has this wild dream, and the wild dream is he sees a man from Greece begging him, come, help me. And he discerns it's the will of God by the Spirit to go. And listen, if you read the Gospels and you read the, the book of Acts, the history of the early church, it changed the trajectory. We are here today because of that dream that Paul had. The third thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is the third member of a triune being, a trinity, revealed in the Bible as God to humanity. Now, I want to unpack this one a little bit because it's really important that we understand it theologically. Before we actually move into just the Holy Spirit, we've got to understand that he doesn't work in independence or isolation. Though we read nowhere in scripture, the Bible nowhere uses the term or says God is Trinity, God is a triune being, we have plenty of scripture that actually refers and tells us and gives illustration of it. One of the one that's probably the clearest is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And it actually says this in verse 14, the grace that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, the love that is of God the Father, and the fellowship that is ours in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Notice there are three expressions of God that we find here. We have God the Father. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, we believe, God the Son. And then we have the Holy Spirit, God, the Spirit of God. And what happens in scripture when we talk about 
the triune nature of God is we recognize that there is an illustration for us, a model for us, for the life we live. That God is one in substance, but is very unique in the way that God is expressed. There are two models the Trinity gives us for our life that we live in Christ. The first is that the Trinity is a model of perfect unity. Perfect unity. Our value here at Grace Crossing Church, our value of oneness, flows out of this theological reality that God is three in one, triune being. God is one in essence, but he is unique in expression and unique in responsibility and unique in the way that God is displayed to us, the way that he comes to us. It is a perfect model of unity. The second thing is the Trinity is a perfect model of community. Now, now stay with me here. Though the Holy Spirit flows in and out from each other, the Father, Son, and Spirit do not lose themselves in one another. They have a very distinct and unique presence and persona. So the Holy Spirit, though one in substance, is distinct, but the Trinity is actually uh, perfect harmony in every single way. And when you try to think about illustrations for this, there have been so many that are used throughout the years, and there's none that are perfect. Because let's be honest, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, the Trinity is a mystery in many ways. Hard to understand. Hard to wrap our finite minds around. But about a year ago, I was sitting on my couch one day, and I was playing with this. And I was just playing with my fidget spinner. <laughs> and something dawned on me as I was holding it in my hand. I actually began to think about the Trinity. I began to think about the fact that there are three distinct parts to the fidget spinner. Three arms, three expressions. But when they are in motion, when they're, when they're moving, what happens? You no longer see the distinction in the sense of, of the expression, right? There is a sense of a, of a movement that's happening in perfect unity and perfect harmony that makes the fidget spinner look as though it is one. And yet it isn't one. It's three distinct parts that are pieced together as one. I think as I sat there that day on my couch, I realized that this might be one of the best illustrations that I've ever experienced or can think of when it comes to the presence of the Trinity and what the Bible theologically teaches us about the Trinity. The final and most important thing that you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is the indwelling presence of God in the life of every Christ follower. Here's what I mean by that. The Holy Spirit makes God real to us and makes God real in us. Jesus was the one who said it at the beginning of his public ministry. Unless you are born of water and of the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter eternal life. You cannot see eternal life. Unless you're born both of water physically and spiritually of the Holy Spirit, you cannot see life. So we know the Holy Spirit is the active agent in the scripture, in the new birth. It is the work of God's spirit birthing something new in us when we put our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that takes up residency within our lives, making God real to us. And then Paul the apostle actually, the great apostle writes this in Ephesians chapter five. I love this verse. Verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you find it interesting like I do that alcohol is called spirits? 
The reason is it comes from a Latin word that is derived from the Greek, which actually is a word that means spirits. And really what Paul is saying here is this. Paul is suggesting that there is something that happens in our life when we become drunk. Oh, we lose our inhibitions, yes. But many times we can go places, do things, say things that we don't even remember. And Paul is saying, listen, do not be filled with excessive alcohol. Don't be filled with excessive spirits, but be filled with the one true spirit of God. Because being filled with whatever kind of alcohol you want, and today's we might put in all sorts of different things in there except wine. But the reality is Paul is saying that when you are filled with the spirit, he's not gonna ruin your life. He's gonna fill you with more and more of God. And so you might ask yourself this morning, as I did many, many years ago, what does it mean to be filled? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, interesting, the word filled there is actually a present active imperative. So it literally could, re could read, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Why should we be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I leak. And I leak enough in my life every day that I've got to come back to a place of being filled over and over and over again with the Spirit. So let me give you a little equation for how we do this. Here's a really simple equation. Openness plus surrender equals filling. Openness plus surrender equals filling. It is the Holy Spirit of God that is the fulfillment of God's promise that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Just as Jesus was filled with all the fullness of God, so through the Holy Spirit, we can be filled with all the fullness of God in our lives. So think about it. At Bethlehem, he was God with us. At Calvary, he was God for us. At Pentecost, he became God in us. He is now God inside of every child of God, every believer, every person who has put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And so you say, what's the big deal about that? Here's the big deal. God wants to do things in us and through us that are beyond our abilities, beyond our resources, and beyond our imagination. How? By the Holy Spirit. Why? So that God gets all the glory and we don't. I stood before you back in May and I did a state of the church address and I, I said, the last Sunday of May to this body that I am in a weaker place in my life than I can ever remember. We as a couple, as a family, are going through a, a very challenging time that puts us at a weaker place. Coming out of this pandemic, and we're still in it, but, but now 18 months into it, I recognize that we as Grace Crossing Church, like many churches, are at a weaker place than we were before this pandemic began. And I said then, and I'll repeat it this morning, what if weak is God's will? What if weak is right where God wants us? What if limited is exactly where we are most willing to trust God's spirit to do things that are beyond our ability, beyond our resources, beyond our experience? I fully believe that to be the case. Zechariah had a word for Zerubbabel, and here was his word. It was on our bumper this morning. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. This is God's message to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You will succeed. Because of my spirit, though you are few, 
and though you are weak. Let me say this this morning. Without the Holy Spirit, I am at best average. And this might surprise you, but so are you. <laughs> right? Without the Holy Spirit, we're just ordinary. But with the Holy Spirit, we can become and we can do things that are extraordinary, that are beyond and above what we can do in our own strength, in our own power, in our own wisdom, in our own might. Without the Holy Spirit, GCC is an average church. But with the Holy Spirit, we all become way above average. And there are things that God wants to do and can do and will continue to make available as we trust him. And it will be a work of his spirit. What, 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 what God was saying to Zerubbabel was this, it doesn't matter what your numbers are. It doesn't matter what your might or your power is in your own self. What matters is that the Holy Spirit at work in you can do extraordinary things. And that is the message of the scripture. Throughout the Bible, especially when we come to the New Testament, post-Pentecost, we see that God was working by his spirit with the early apostles doing extraordinary things. These were ordinary guys. These uh, followers of Jesus that waited in the upper room and trusted God for something beyond themselves, the promise that Jesus made them, they're just ordinary guys. They're just normal people. But something remarkable happens when they're filled with the Spirit. There's all of a sudden a power, a boldness, an ability that was beyond their own experience, beyond their resources, beyond their imagination. And guess who was getting all the glory in it? Not them. God was. There's a great verse in Hebrews that really summarizes this that I, I want to focus on here as we, as we move toward our conclusion this morning with an interview. And, and here's, the, here's the verse out of Hebrews. Chapter two, verse number four. It summarizes everything the Holy Spirit was doing in the early church. God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chose. Now, I want to keep that up there a moment because here's what I want you to see. This could be read like this, literally. God confirmed the message by giving signs of the Holy Spirit Wonders of the Holy Spirit, miracles of the Holy Spirit, and gifts of the Holy Spirit as he chose. And you will notice in this text that it is by the Spirit as he chose. Not as we chose, not as the early apostles chose, but as God's Spirit chose. Now, what are these? What are these signs, wonders, miracles, gifts? They are actually acts of God's spirit. A sign is an act of God's spirit intended to grab your attention and to affirm and confirm the reality of God. It is an act of God's spirit intended to grab your attention and confirm the reality of God. Sometimes we just need signs to affirm that it's God, to affirm that God is moving. And there's lots of scripture we could look at for that today. Wonders. A wonder is an act of God's spirit intended to take your breath away and leave you in awe intended to take your breath away and leave you in awe. Can you think back to a time when you saw something that just, you went, wow. You just didn't know what to say. You were left speechless. The first time I saw the Canadian Rockies in Banff, Alberta, Canada, it was a wow for me. Every turn of the corner on the road, I was going. 
something. Oh my goodness. Maybe it was the Grand Canyon for you or Niagara Falls. Somewhere that left you going, ah, takes your breath away. That's what God's wonders do. Let me jump down to gifts before we get to miracles. A gift is an act of God's spirit intended to build your confidence and move you into God's mission. It is an act of God's spirit intended to build your confidence and move you into God's spirit. It's not your ability. It may be a building, ability that God inherently gave you as a birth gift that is now supercharged by his spirit. But the reality is it is a work of God in us that is often beyond our own natural abilities. And then a miracle. A miracle is an act of God's spirit intended to blow your mind and intended to help you see the limitless power of God on display. Let me ask you this morning by a show of hands. You at home can join us on this. How many of you here have ever witnessed a miracle, what you believe would be a miracle. Can I see you just raise up your hand if you believe, and I want you to keep it up. If you think and believe you've seen a miracle, okay? Keep your hand up for just a moment. How many of you here have ever in your own life had a miracle, right? You believe you have had your own miracle. Keep your hands up. Keep, keep them raised, please, if you will. Now, how many of you here would at some point in your life like to witness a miracle or experience a miracle? Let me see your hands. Okay, look around. Nearly every single one of us here this morning at some level would love to see the miraculous happen in our lives or in the life of somebody else. Thanks, you can put your hands down. This morning, I'm delighted to have a GCC alumni couple with us here at Grace Crossing. We don't often get the privilege of having alumni back. But this morning we have an alumni that were actually here at Grace Crossing Church um, for his medical residency. Chaz and Danielle Dabbs were here and when they came to Grace Crossing Church, they were at a broken place. They were trusting God, needing God, wanting God, desiring God to do something in their life that seemed nearly impossible. And this morning I've asked them to come and they now, Chaz now serves as a general sur surgeon over in Columbus, but I am thrilled to have them with us this morning because we live this story with them. We were in it with them when they went through this. And I think this morning you'll be encouraged to, uh, to hear their story as well. We have a picture of their whole family that we're gonna put up and leave up if we can that you can see their, their beautiful family this morning as they come. Would you welcome uh, Chaz and Daniel Dabbs as they come this morning? Sit down here in the front because um, I want them to have the privacy on the platform to share. So this might be a little awkward for those of you that are watching us by broadcast today because I'm gonna be a talking head and you won't even see me. <laughs> So Chaz and Danielle, thank you guys so much um, for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for, for sharing. You know, I shared that when you came to Grace Crossing, you were kind of at a broken place. Can you tell us a little bit about what was going on in your lives and what you were dealing with when you, when you arrived here? I'll start. Um, yes, so like Gail said, we were in a, a, a very deep, dark place. We were struggling. Um, We'd been trying to get pregnant for a year um, and had no success. And we had started to go to see a fertility um, specialist and um, had gotten pregnant and then miscarried, right, about that same time. Um, so we were kind of hopeful, you know, we had had a chance to conceive, but it did not work out. Um, and then nine long months went by again and we were not having any success. And we, at that point, had gone to see a fertility specialist just with the history of our long wait and our loss and then waiting and waiting again. And um, we tried some treatments and things that 
should have worked and didn't work. We went through tons and tons of tests, um, tons of medications and needles and pills and nothing worked. And I remember sitting with the fertility specialist and we kind of became one of those statistics where he said, you know, you have less than one in a million chance of getting pregnant. Um, and that's probably hopeful. Um, so, you know, your, your best chance is to try IVF and vitro fertilization, even that we have no explanation for why you're not getting pregnant. We don't understand this medically. So really, you probably will not be successful. Um, and so, yeah, we were just in a really tough place and we had no control over it. I think this was probably really one of the first situations we had experienced in our life and as a couple where we literally could not like do anything to control. We tried to do everything that we could to control. We tried to try every treatment and that was not working. And it was just a point where we really had to like surrender um, to God and it was tough. Yeah, so I mean, the fancy technical medicalese is idiopathic infertility, <clears throat> which uh, idiopathic is medical speak for mm. um, <laughs> just in case you ever hear that. Uh, and it's there's no treatment uh, for that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just a hard time for us. Um, I think that we were starting to feel, at least I personally, you know, it was like we were starting to kind of close off. Uh, because of the darkness that we were experiencing, we were starting to close off in our relationships uh, with other people. Uh, it was kind of a challenging time because it seemed like, you know, how, I mean, you know, like when everybody gets married at the same time or like you want to buy a Honda Odyssey, all you can see on the road is Honda Odysseys. <laughs> well, we can actually enumerate for you the number of people who were having children in our peer group yeah. um, during the time that we were struggling. And I, I don't recommend that strategy of numbering that. That's probably a sign of the fall. But, um, but, but yeah, so we were just struggling to want to connect, at least I was. So Yeah, yeah so you, as you guys look back on that season, which it was a darker season, very dark season for you, and a lot of uncertainty as to what was going to happen, where you were going to go. I mean, I think you, and you got some really tough news on statistic. What do you look back on and say, that's what sustained me during that difficult time that I, that I walked through? Um, I think one of the things that's always been important for us since both of us became Christians were um, community. And we had come from, we moved to Grace Crossing kind of in the midst, to, to Dayton in the midst of all this. We come from Chicago and we had been in a very like small, um, strong small group there. Um, and so when we came here, that was something that we were looking for and made sure we got involved in. And um, it, was, it was hard because while we knew we needed to trust other people and to open up and um, rely on them, also everybody in our group was pretty much getting pregnant, except Gil and Kelly were in a group and Kelly did not get pregnant, but <laughs> pretty much everybody else got pregnant in our group like in the time we were in there. And so um, we... We struggled through that, but we also knew that we needed that. We knew that we needed to be surrounding ourselves with other people who would, you know, hold us up when we were not able to maybe hold ourselves up or to speak into our lives when we were not hearing what we wanted to hear or when it felt like God was silent. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I 100% agree that for us a big part was small groups. Um, community worship is wonderful. Um, I think <clears throat> it's pretty obvious now. Uh, we're all learning a lot scientifically about sort of the uh, isolation of um, social media and what a false sense of community it gives. It's not real community. Um, but at the same time, again, for me especially, you know, the desire is hard. The more down I felt, the less I kind of wanted to be around people and share. And I think the enemy really uses that. He really likes to cut us from the herd. Um, that's when it makes us a lot weaker and a lot more vulnerable. Um, and can I see the paper? Sorry. <laughs> we wrote down our thoughts because we could talk about this, well, till Chick-fil-A reopens on Monday. <laughs> um, that, that joke works great in church. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we... For it, leaning into community really helped, and we could talk about that for a really long time, but I want to acknowledge the tendency to pull away is very strong, and I 
really, really strongly believe that that is um, straight up tactic, like no, like right out of the enemy's playbook. Again, he really likes to cut us from the herd. Um, and I think the other thing too was, you know, we even even when we were struggling, we did like have times and opportunities where we did still feel God's presence. Like we did still like at our core have our faith and knew that like God was for us, that God had a plan for us. Like we didn't know that plan. We didn't like the timing of the plan. We weren't sure we liked the plan, but we knew that God loved us and had a good plan for us. And I can remember vividly thinking, and I think this applies to so many different situations where you're in the waiting, like, God, if you would just tell me what the end is, I'll just, I'll be cool now. Like, I'll be fine. Like, I can relax. I'll be happy. I'll trust you. But like, that's not how, that's not faith. That wasn't, I needed to have faith. You know, we needed to trust that he had this plan for us, even when we couldn't see it. And um, I think too, he did, you know, speak to us in ways throughout this process where we were able to hear him and see him, even if, you know, we were struggling. So everybody's looking at the picture today. So in some ways, we, we know the end of the story. Spoiled in some it. ways, right? Spoiler but, alert. But talk about how God met you in the surprising way, uh, in really the miraculous. You were a one in a million shot at getting pregnant. Um, how, um, did, how did God meet you guys? Yeah, so I, I do want to kind of finish, you know, tell you our story, but we, we also wanted to share just a couple of verses that, because I do think that something that really sustained us through this was other people speaking into our lives. And that's like part of where community comes from is that like maybe we couldn't find the message ourselves, but God would speak into others. So there was a, um, a point where I was just kind of at my lowest of lows and I came to church actually and met with a woman here who had a background in counseling. And I was talking with her like, should we do IVF? I'm not sure I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. Should we adopt? Like, what is, what is, how do we decide where to go from here? We're at the end of, you know, our options. And um, I just remember she specifically spoke the verse in Matthew 7, 7, 8 to me. And it, the verse says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And she wasn't saying, you know, like, that you're gonna get everything you want. She was trying to encourage me, like, you know, if, if you are knocking and you feel like the answer is IVF, then that's okay. Like, that's where maybe God is leading you and to do that. Um, but the crazy thing about this, it wasn't just like a verse that she spoke to me. I actually went home that from that meeting and we had been sponsoring a compassion child who we write letters back and forth with. And I opened up a letter in the mail and that verse was written in that letter. And I, and, and, these letters are from like six-year-old kids. You know, they write about they like soccer, they're doing well in school. Like they often don't include a verse because it's literally just translated. And that is the first and I think only time I can remember getting a verse in a letter like that. And so to me, that was really God was speaking to me like, don't give up, I'm with you, I have you. Like, even though you don't know what the plan is, like I have a plan, so. I, I do, yeah. And so for me, you, you know, kind of a, always want to get back to the Bible, a piece, uh, a story that really stuck out to me during this time. And it kind of, I, I encountered it through, I think my mom mentioned it to me and it's buried in the old Testament where the pages of my Bible are really white. Um, in first uh, Kings 19. And it's this uh, story about Elijah, who's, you know, one of the great prophets and he's so depressed. I mean, some awful stuff happens and I don't want to go on forever, but basically he becomes so depressed that he's suicidal. And, uh, so, um, God does the obvious thing and sends him food uh, is the first thing God does, which I think is really interesting. Um, so sign up for, the door, for that uh, meal train. <laughs> and yeah, the, the Hebrew name, the angel that he sent to send the food, the Hebrew name translates into DoorDash. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, so then the second thing God does is he sends the angel back with more food, just kind of hammering that point home, feed people. Um, but then he's the, the Lord speaks to him. And I think that's interesting because he wants to hear from the Lord, but the Lord speaks to him. And he says, um, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. So now he's using the third person, which probably speaks to some dovetails into the, some of this, the Holy spirit discussion that we're having. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. 
and after the fire, <laughs> sorry, came a gentle whisper. And I just find that passage very meaningful because I was just, I was expecting to hear from the Lord in a certain way. Um, and that's just not how he came. It was a gentle whisper through his spirit. So do you want to know how the story ends? <laughs> so we um, actually decided to go ahead and try to do IVF. And we had met with the doctors. There's medication you need to take before you start the process. We had filled the prescription. We're about to start taking the medication. And I was supposed to start it on Thursday. On Tuesday that week, I took a pregnancy test. And I was pregnant with zero interventions, no medicine, nothing. Um, so that was our first child, um, Audrey Hope. And um, that was a miracle in and of itself. But God was not done yet. Um, we actually did end up experiencing another miscarriage. But a month after that, um, we had our second child, Charles Grant. And then um, um, when he was a year old, we got pregnant with our third child, Bridget Faith. Um, and then we were like, okay, God, wow, you've answered our prayers in abundance. Like, this is amazing. We didn't even think we would have one. Like, we would, we would have not expected to have three children. And we were kind of like, okay, is your plan done? Like, what, it, what do you have for us? We don't know. And this is a moment where I, I really want to share because this was, I think, the Holy Spirit coming to me. I was in um, church and he happened to be out of town. And so I had taken our oldest, Audrey, into service with me. And we were standing and we were worshiping. And I was holding her, even though she was like too big to be held. I was just praising God and like thanking him so much for... The, the miracles he blessed us with, all the children he'd given us. And I was, had been praying, you know, God, what is your plan for us? Like, is our family complete? Like, do you have more for us? And I heard, I literally heard him say the words, trust me. And I didn't know what that meant. I just, and at this point we've been through so much. I'm like, okay, trust me, whatever that means, whatever it means. Um, 10 months later, our son, Matthew Brent was born. <laughs> so um, he answered our prayers miraculously multiple times. Um, we've, seen a healing too in one of our children uh, miraculously gained a second kidney, but I think that's another story that we don't have time for, so maybe sometime we'll tell it. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you nope. guys so much for sharing. Can we give them a, a hand of appreciation this morning, you guys? Thank you, Thank you so much. Yeah. As we prepare to close, let me just mention a couple of things. Number one, I'm always sensitive when you hear a story of God's answered prayer, that there are people in this auditorium, those that are joining us by way of our broadcast, who that's not been your story. Your prayer didn't get answered. The miracle you believe for didn't happen. And in no way are we suggesting at Grace Crossing Church by sharing a story like this, that it's the way every one of our stories are going to end or resolve. We simply don't know. Let me say this, just because you haven't seen a sign does not mean they don't exist. And just because you've never witnessed a wonder doesn't mean they don't occur. Just because you've never experienced a miracle doesn't mean we shouldn't believe and trust God for the miraculous. It doesn't mean we shouldn't Give the Holy Spirit a chance to work in our life in the mysterious way. Notice it, what the scripture said this morning that we read in Hebrews, as he chose. I don't know what the Holy Spirit will choose for our story. I don't know what the Holy Spirit will choose for your story. But I would ask you this morning as we prepare to close, I'd ask you to hold you're one in a million miracle before God. What is that thing you're trusting God for today? What is that impossible situation that may not feel like it'll ever happen? But this morning, there may have just been a moving of the needle in your faith to believe that God might just do that for me. It's different for all of us here. But we all share a commonality that we are weak and we are in need of God. So bow your head, please, and would you just, would you just take a moment to quiet your heart, silence yourself before we pray and dismiss.
And maybe place your hands, the palm of your hands upward this morning before you. And then I want you to place in your hands, what is the one in a million miracle? What is the impossible thing you're trusting God for today? Maybe for somebody else you're believing for something big and you don't know that God will do it. And I don't know that God will do it. But what I know is this, God does it as he chooses. Lord, we hold before us today in humility and surrender the outcome of our desired prayers. We know that you are good. We know that your steadfast love endures forever. We know that mercy and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our life and will dwell in the presence of God here on earth and will dwell in the house of God for all eternity. What we don't know, Lord, always is the answers, the outcomes. We don't know that there will be resolution the way we long for it. But help that not to hinder our faith. Help us to trust you, believe in you, and give you permission to work in our lives. As we are daily filled with your spirit, God, would you do things that make us extraordinary? Would you do extraordinary things in us? Thank you for the holy advantage of the Holy Spirit that makes that which seems impossible, possible. And so God, we pray that you'll hold us in your love as we hold in surrender the longings and the desires of our hearts. We yield ourselves to you fully. We ask that you do a work, God, in us that is above and beyond what we could ever imagine. And we give you thanks for it. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you prepare to leave this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. And what I'd like to just mention as a final thing before you go is, I hope you heard what Chaz and Danielle said this morning about community. If you're here and you're on the fence today about a connection group, maybe you're fearful. Maybe you don't, you're not sure what it will be like. Maybe you've never kind of put your toe in the water. Or maybe you've had a bad experience somewhere in a, a small group and it just has left a bad taste in your mouth. I'm gonna ask you to boldly step out in faith and give a connection group a chance for you. Uh, you may be surprised at what God will do in your life to hold you as you share the joys of life and the burdens of life with those who are in that community of faith with you. You can uh, stop at our Connection Center today to let them know you'd like to sign on for that, or if you're new, please do that. And don't forget to discover GCC off to my right, uh, your left here in the, in the end door. Bless each of you. Have a great, great week. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.